Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we're talking MLB. Are the rules going back to 2019? How does that affect the Cubs and the Sox this year? And what the hell is going on with the Baseball Hall of Fame? How is it that nobody gets in on what's supposed to be baseball's happiest day of the year? We'll break it all down for you on episode 40, coming up now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast with myself, Dan Collins, and my lovely co-host, Joey Gelman, who you can find on Twitter at Joey Gelman. Myself, I am on there as well. You can find me uh, on Twitter at TweetDanCollins and this fine, lovely show on Twitter at Believe in Chicago. We are brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. Joey, we have a baseball show. Look at that. Look at that. We're, we're in the dead of winter. And I was about to say that, at least where I'm at here in Chicago, plenty of snow on the ground. Not not too much. You shovel it out. You know, the past couple of days have been have been fine. Obviously, City of Chicago did a pretty damn good job, as always, with the salt trucks and things like that. So we're all good. Is it actually snowing by you over in the East Coast? I'm sorry, I forgot to ask. No, it was supposed to, but it's just rain because it never gets that that cold here, surprisingly, in Philly. So we got rain, but no snow. Either way, we are going to warm our souls and warm up this conversation with a league that just always gets it right, the MLB. They're so good at what they do, right? Uh, Not. A little sarcasm there to start it off. Where we stand now, I mean, we are like, what, about less than a week away from February, which everybody knows, especially in a normal year, come the middle to end of February, that's when the pitchers and catchers start reporting, position players soon thereafter, and then in March, you have the spring training games, April rolls around, or end of March rolls around, you have yourself an opening day, and the rest is history all the way until you get into the World Series. Where we stand now, with obviously it's going to be coming up sooner rather than later. We'll see if hopefully the pandemic doesn't push that up because it's just been a crazy roller coaster, especially uh, when you get the sports involved and how you would have to schedule that and things of whatnot. But where we stand, apparently we're just going to have a very regular year, Joey. We're going back just to 2019 style, right? We're going to have no universal DH, so we're going to flip that. No expanded playoffs. And I opened it up with you. It looks like here the Cubs are way ahead of the curve here because why Why do you need Kyle Schwarber? There's going to be no universal DH. The players aren't going to approve, approve of that if it also comes with a caveat. So the Cubs ahead of the curve. Look at that. You didn't even need Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, it, it begs the questions of what do they know and when do they, you know, when do they know it? And it's, it's interesting to think about because I know they put him in the outfield for the last couple of years, but... If you're making a decent investment in the guy, let's say for the next five years, three to five years, he's going to be your DH. And so maybe oh. they maybe they knew this was coming down the pipeline, that it was kind of this poison pill bill, you know, like you see in politics where, all right, you can have the DH, but then we want expanded playoffs. It's like, hell no. Like, you're decentivizing every owner to compete because, you know, half the teams are going to make it, so the other half doesn't care. It's just it would be a mess. So, yeah, it's... It's interesting. I, I I personally have grown out of the purest baseball fan and more into the wow. I'm I'm all for Universal DH. But I guess apparently, like we don't want to move the game forward. We don't want to make it more fun. We're going to make pitchers bat and make them look stupid. So when we're all allowed to go back to Wrigley Field, you're going to see the the beauty that is Alec Mills batting ninth and striking out every time. And 
we're just past that. But it's so MLB to do what they did. How, I was about to say that. How come every time people bring up baseball and the way that they're going to either change or not change the game, it always seems like for whatever reason they don't want to make it more fun. MLB doesn't want to make it more fun. It goes without saying that a universal DH would be more fun. And I hope everybody caught my caught my sarcasm with the whole Kyle Schwarber thing. I still think it's silly that the Cubs didn't bring it back, universal DH or not. But as it relates to the Cubs, and as it just relates, like Joey said, to the rest of the National League for that matter, why can't they get this done? And you already answered the question I was going to ask you, Joey, which just from a Cubs fan perspective where your team plays in the National League – do you want to see that happen? And I mean, like I said, you went ahead and, and answered that anyways. And not only would it make it to me more fun, like you said, it, it just makes so much sense. And do you think that that a universal DH would be beneficial to the Cubs? I want to ask you more or less like in the long term. I, I know what your idea would probably be in the, in the short term here, but in what ways do you think like that could just help the franchise in and of itself, uh, the, the National League contenders that they are, if there were to be a universal DH they could plug in and out of the lineup? I think it helps tremendously because you never have to worry about your pitching. I mean, that's the biggest thing. If you have a pitcher in the seventh inning and he's dealing, but you're, you're it's a two-to-one ball game and you're down and you need an insurance run. Oh, but the strategy of it. The strategy of it, I Joey. know, and I love baseball, but it's, it's now gotten to a point where it's not even – watchable when a pitcher bats so in that regard it's like why are you playing a singular game but if you play for the white Sox, it has different rules than if you play for the cubs like that doesn't make any sense to me never Always has the, of the four major sports that does that where right it's two totally different rules like, depending on what league you're in right like even if okay there's afc and nfc football they have the same rules there's a different feel for sure between the teams and how they play just same with east East and West basketball, there's a different philosophy. I mean, I know it's getting a lot homogenous now, but there was for a while a different style. You could have a different style in baseball, too, I guess, but different rules is insane to me. And you're, you're getting to a point, and it applies for the Cubs and the Sox, whether they're in the World Series using the rules or if you're in the National League. I mean, I can't tell you the last time any of these pitchers have truly batted. Like, if you think about it, between specialization in youth ball, high school ball, hi- high school had DHs, college mm-hmm. has DHs, the minors, no matter your your affiliate major league team, NL or AL, has a DH. So then you get to the majors at 22 years old <laughs> as a pitcher, you haven't batted in eight years. So wh- yeah. what, what good does that do for anybody? Because the pipeline, like you said, leading that way, no matter who you're playing for, doesn't call for that. Not only that, it's that... So, for example, they, they wanted to make the whole relief pitcher rule this year, right? So where you couldn't necessarily just keep coming out batter after batter and get a new get a new pitcher on the bump. Part of it being a pace of play issue, which you 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 combine that with just being flat out damn boring, right? Like you don't want to make the game more boring. You want to make it more fun, more exciting, right? This also kind of plays a factor with that too, if you really think about it, because sure. It will take out some of the long-known National League strategy of, okay, well, if you take the pitcher out here, maybe you do the double switch. Maybe you, know, maybe you, you don't pinch him here because he's, he's red hot and going into the seventh. He only has 84 pitches. You know, the list goes on and on in terms of how the strategy works there. But guess what? Who cares about that strategy if that's also just boring? Because then the end result might be, okay, well, I guess we let Kyle Hendricks 
up to the plate here in the sixth inning. The result is is just damn right boring. So if you really think about it, if you want to make the game more fun <laughs> at the end of the day, that's the better option because if you're just trying to save this strategy of, like I said, like from the purest view, just the way baseball should be because that's how it was started you know, in the, in the 19th century, it just doesn't really it, – it's not really a good argument because what you need to do is make the game more fun. And we've talked about this plenty of times, I think even off the podcast, of what the hell can Major League Baseball do to appeal to the younger crowd out there, to the crowd who is way more easily attracted to the NBA and the NFL? How can you get those youngins in and attracted to this game? And if it's you know, take, taking a kid over out, you know, to the ballpark and him watching the pitcher bat and just either ground out or, or, or sacrifice bunt, what kind of exciting thing, thing is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense that the MLB would present that with a caveat when it's just the direction the league should be going. No, exactly. I mean, I, I, if if you want action, why are you letting a pitcher bat? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's exactly what you said. So it's... It's unfortunate that they tie it to expanded playoffs because I know the owners want that for more money, but obviously the players are smart enough to know that that's not a good deal because it waters down the the way the league is supposed to operate the regular season and, and everything with that. But, yeah, it just it, it doesn't make sense. And as you look at the, our teams in Chicago, it's like we're, we're sitting here, like you said, just a few weeks away from spring training, and you still don't have a definitive, an, definitive answer on how to build your team. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And one team shouldn't be punished because of that. So it's, it, it's I don't know, it's just so baseball to get in their own way, unfortunately. And they 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 are such traditionalists to a fault. And it's just, it's it's frustrating. I'm all for the beauty that is baseball. But when when you still have that mentality of what they're doing and, and think it's the, you know, the, the little, the, the, the boys club like hockey does where we're not changing and we're doing, we're doing this the way we've always done it. You're going to lose, as you've seen now. Like you said, I'm trying to re- not trying to repeat your points, but it's 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 true. I mean, where where you've seen the NBA and, and and NFL become massive, and because the players are empowered, they are the stars. They they have their own deals for marketing, and they're marketed properly, and they have good media presence. And baseball's like, we're not going to help market you. We're not going to make it accessible. We're not going to allow you to see the games you want to see. We're going to make rules that disincentivize you from watching. Like, all, the, the, all the name of the game. Give them more power. Right. Yeah. Like, it's it's odd. It's very, very odd. I'll tell you this. In terms of the expanded playoffs, for me as a Sox fan, I'm looking forward to the Sox hopefully making a good playoff run here. I'm all for it. Less opponents they would potentially have to face, and you flip a coin, maybe you, you know you play an extra opponent or two, you could be bounced out of the playoffs. So I, I like it in the sense that now that's less that's less opponents for the Sox to have to worry about going into the playoffs. Which you know take that for what it is. I'm also not a not the type of guy who, uh, and you may actually disagree with this point. To me. Potentially the less playoff teams, the better. Now I'm not about going into the 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 olden days where you know you're playing for the pennant. It's just you know two or four teams from from this league and that league. Like I think it's fine where it is now, but I think the last thing you need to do is expand the playoffs, especially if you're not going to have any expansion teams and just make the league bigger. If you're just going to go ahead and just add teams 
to the playoffs without expanding it, then to, to me it's just silly because then at what point is it just definitely too much? Like at what point do you not deserve to be there? And I get what you know people would try to say and still argue, well, okay, well, if they're not meant to be there, they'll get bounced in the first round anyways. Or it could be kind of exciting because you can have this underdog story potentially going one or two rounds. It doesn't really matter. Even at the end of the day, we like to think we like the underdog stories, but do we really? Like if you get this last place wild card team – and then they make like a World Series run. Say they were like, I don't know, an 87 win team or something like that. Is that really the team you're going to be rooting for to win the World Series or that you even want to see in the World Series? Probably not. So while it's going to generate more revenue just from the standpoint of, hey, there's going to be more playoff games, definitely against it for that reason, let alone the, the little goofy reason I have just for the sake of, oh, one less opponent the White Sox have to worry about when they hopefully make the playoffs here in 2021. So that along with at what point – is it is there just too many cooks in the kitchen for the postseason? Because at, at some point, like you still need to make it to where you've earned that spot. And if there's too many teams in the playoffs, then you could really have a lot of just barely, you know, five, ten game, you know, above five hundred teams, then making it I don't really know if I want to see that kind of baseball, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're right. It, it you you have to earn it, and there's a difference to be said, right? If if I look at like college football, and I go like, that's the dumbest playoff thing in the world, where where you have a, let's say you have a hundred schools and four make it to the true playoff tournament, right. right? That should be expanded, but the baseball incentive is no, you got to earn it. There's enough spots now across all the divisions that it, you have to truly win your way in, and I think if you're someone that carries themselves like. The White Sox stars do now, and, and the Cubs have done in the past. They want to earn those spots and don't want the Marlins to creep in and just get there. Or right. like we had this year with the Bears. Like the Bears have no business being in the playoffs, but the expanded playoffs allowed them in and allowed everyone to retain their jobs because of a false sense of, of, of quality football. They're good enough. So Hat tip for the Bear mention. Thank you. I had Chicago to get it in, Bears. right? Bear down. Uh, so yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think for this case, the the, the less playoffs, the better. You got to earn your way in when it comes to to baseball. And I'm glad the players realized that and stood up for that. That yeah, we want the DH. It can prolong probably fifty percent of our careers, no questions asked. Yeah. But they absolutely. knew what the cost was if they watered down the playoffs and what that would mean for them, their teams, and et cetera. So. I'm glad they didn't take the deal. It's just it's dumb that that's still how it's being presented. Like they should be they should be exclusive. Like the DH needs to be in implemented no matter what. Expanded playoffs, run around second, three batter rule. You know, put that all in that category. But the, like the fact that there's still not the same damn rules across two teams that play in the same city on the same train line is insane. <laughs> <laughs> they're like 10, 12 stops away from each other. What's going on? No, you're right. I, I haven't even thought about it that way, let alone you're playing in the same city, playing the same sport, but you're playing two different rules. Depending on who you're seeing that day, if you're up north or down south, you're going to see a little bit different of a baseball game. It's weird, Joey. We, we've been um, been agreeing with each other a whole lot here on the show. I bet you any money, though, we're about to transition into a topic you might disagree with me on. I guarantee you this. All right. There was some Hall of Fame voting done. And when all is said and done, going into the Hall of Fame, your 2021 class, a whole bunch of nobody. Tears for Mark Burley not getting in. What was it? Only like 11% of the vote or something like that. If, if you're looking for any White Sox names on the ballot, he did receive, I believe it was 11%. So he, he's going to stay on the ballot. So still some chances there for Mark, even though don't necessarily think he's going to get in. But 
no class. And I think it's because they thought the people on the list had no class, pun intended. It seems like that's exactly what it was with the three front runners, obviously being Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling. None of them, once again, receiving enough, the 75% uh, total you need, the threshold you need to get to in order to be elected into the Hall of Fame by, by the voters. And here we are now, Joey. And let me say this. This is the part I think you'll disagree with me on. I don't think just because a new year comes and you're, you know, you're voting players potentially into the Hall of Fame that you necessarily need to elect anybody. Like, I don't think there's a problem with nobody being elected into the Hall of Fame. Now, I don't I don't agree that the people they didn't put into the Hall of Fame shouldn't be there. That's a totally different story. So that I think is definitely a little silly, very silly for that matter. But just on the the small argument of oh it's silly like how could you have how could you have a hall of how could you just not have a hall of fame class I think that's fine if there truly is no hall of fame eligible players on the list however I do totally agree that it's their decision yesterday was completely silly because there were <laughs> there were there were definitely eligible hall of fame members on the list but I just wonder if like maybe you would disagree with me on that part or maybe you don't maybe you totally agree because. I don't think that's what, where the fault is. The, the fault doesn't lie with the writers and not voting in anybody just because it's a new year. You have to have a new class. But once again, not electing certain names that are on that list, highly silly, highly silly, Mark Burley being one of them. Just kidding. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I agree with you that the players are deserving of getting in, some of those guys in the list, but yes, I think it, I, I don't know how you can – have a Hall of Fame ballot and then not let anybody in. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it goes back to the argument I said before of, like, okay, every year there are eligible players that are good enough to be in. Therefore, they should be in. But this fancy boys club of baseball and the baseball writer says, no, like, we're not letting them in our club. Like, Joe Morgan did for right. 20 years and oh, then, then they block Ron Santo. And it's like, it it's it's the image it portrays. It's just bad. But yeah. I, I, I I disagree. I, I I I think every year there should be if, if you're eligible, there should be a Hall of Fame class that is in. And the fact that that baseball was on display yesterday having wall to wall coverage of here's the Hall of Fame votes, here's they're coming in. As they should. They could have Steve Kornacki do the big board on there. And sure enough, at the I end nobody got in. And it's like because none of the fancy baseball community wanted to open their doors to the I know this this group is a little more controversial than the rest, but they didn't want to let anybody in. And so I, I think it's silly. I think people and players wait their whole career to get in and they only have a certain amount of chances. So you you, you can't just sit here and go, All right, well, Dan, you're on the list this year and your first year of eligibility, nobody got in. Well that's yeah. boom, one more one one year off that didn't either help you or anybody else. It's like that's not fair to anybody. If you're gonna have yeah. the vote, you gotta let people in. Yeah, if they're eligible. And once again, I do agree there are definitely names on that list who are eligible, and it's completely silly that we don't have a twenty twenty one Hall of Fame class because, like I said, there's players on that list who clearly deserve to be part of the twenty twenty one Hall of Fame class. Like I said, just the, the theoretical like situation I threw out there to where if there were to happen to literally be a ballot where you could legitimately look at the entire ballot and say, no, for reasons just pertaining to baseball, none of these players belong in the Hall of Fame. I don't think you have to necessarily vote anybody in. But 
still, once again, more to your point, you are correct in terms of there were players on that list that deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Before we just get to the Mark Burley eligibility, with I, I, I think we're both going to agree that even though he's remaining on the ballot, he's not necessarily going to get into the Hall of Fame. Who, give me two, give me two of the names that you think definitely should have been elected into the twenty in, into the Hall of Fame, the 2021 class that definitely, obviously, didn't get elected into the Hall of Fame last night. I, th- I mean, I, I'm just looking at the list again here. I mean, I, I don't mean to be like the cliche person, but I think it's very simple that it should be like Bonds and Clemens, like in that group. Like, I, right. I mean, I know we haven't discussed it on the show if you're a steroid fan well that's a bad way to phrase it if you're someone who wants to allow the steroid <laughs> users into the hall of fame or not if you're one of those steroid lovers yeah if you love this we've got the product for you um but yeah i i, I think it, it's it's easily bonds and clemens for me I, I think it's because those are two guys that i know used peds at the time they weren't illegal there's always been a way to gain an edge in sport no matter the sport and frankly, you know, the Hall of Fame, I, I get the integrity aspect, but it's that, that that's seemingly more important these days than what was done on the field. And the, and, and the Hall of Fame is also called the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. So you have to document what's going on in the game. You can't just slice out a 20-year part of history that, by the way, probably was the most exciting and most viewed in terms of TV eyeballs just had a documentary on it right so i i think that's what what is the is the frustrating part for me on that is that they they you know they deserve to to be in there and and listen like you can look at someone like kurt schilling too right i i mean we don't talk politics on this show i don't want to ever talk politics on this show but i am not a fan of kurt schilling and and what he stands <laughs> for and his his attitudes and and everything however on the field there's an argument to be had of obviously a Hall of Fame career. Sure, I can hate his guts. Yeah. It's like I will never. I, if I see Aubrey Huff on the street, that you don't even want to know what I do to that guy. But even though I'm this tiny little five foot five person, anyways. But if their career merited on the field, I can't argue with that. Even if they're a scumbag. Right. So so th- that that's the same thing here. Of like if you actually, you know, cheated like the Astros did, which I think is kind of a different category, that's barring. That's something that can bar you. But the the PED stuff, I I think it's... We've gotten past it now. We know what happened. Hell, Bud Selig's in, and he let it all happen. Well, you know what's interesting, now that you say that, is... And I totally agree with you. It's a museum, first and foremost, not a, a palace of integrity, right? Like, that's just not what it is. However... We eventually will get to the point where I'm sure there's probably going to be at least one member of that Houston Astros team that finds themselves on a Hall of Fame ballot. And even though we're now removed from that and they're technically they're not banging the garbage cans anymore, right? At least obviously that's what everybody thinks. What if you know, say a Jose Altuve, for example? What if one day he finds himself on the Hall of Fame ballot? Then do you not put him in? Is he just not eligible for the Hall of Fame? I think it, I, I really I know it sounds stupid because it's a different kind of cheating, but I, I think it's a different category. I think some would t- say it's worse. It is worse. Some would say it's worse than steroid. Right? It is worse. That's what I'm saying. But if you let him in, then how do you not let in a steroid user? Yeah, there's no good argument for that. You 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 would have to have let them all in. Yeah, I at mean, that I, point you do. 
you reverse precedent at that point. And it's uh, it's just weird. And obviously, we're we're years removed from that. Or we're we're years away from that possibility. Right. But you have to think that it's potentially coming up that one of those members, d- depending on how the rest of their careers go, could potentially find themselves on a Hall of Fame ballot. And then, if you weren't voting in Bonds or Clemens or Schilling, then how can you possibly vote in one of them? And obviously, like I said, we're, we're many and many years going into that, but you, you can't just say, if anything, I think it is the complete wrong thing to do to leave them out for the sake of they played in the steroid era. Like I'll, I'll focus it again just on the steroid era players because you can't just wipe away that history. Whether it whether it was arguably the most exciting or not, that's not even the reason. You literally just can't take like that. That's that's part of the game for a very long time. That a lot of people too were on like reporters, a lot, a lot of members of the media kind of had an inkling on what was going on. Still, never really pressured it that much. But history is history. Like that is part of baseball's game. Like if you look into the steroid era, it's infamous. With Major League Baseball, it is part of its history, and not if anything, you, you're doing. It, it would be just a better service to yourself to just say, "Hey, this is the era we had. We're not proud of it. We're changing our ways." But these are the players who shined during that era. It, it once again, it is just part of the league's history, and even though it's a not so exciting part of your league's history because a lot of people were cheating. They were they were taking performance enhancers, and you go, well, if that guy didn't take steroids, he definitely wouldn't be a Hall of Famer like a Sammy Sosa. That that's probably what a lot of people would argue. But you look at a Barry Bonds, who was a Hall of Famer even before he took steroids. Whatever you throw that out, you put him in there. Hell, even if when it came to that point, and say like you throw a Sammy Sosa in there, who without steroids, like I said, probably is definitely not a Hall of Famer, but still. He had that run. It was the you know it was the boys of summer, and I think you put him in there just because of the history of what like you can't ignore that. Like I said, we had a freaking documentary about it this summer. You cannot ignore that part of the game's history. Right, and what do you and what do you do now? Right, you look at Sosa and he's not welcome back at Wrigley, and they want him to apologize, and it's like for what he did something <laughs> that was not illegal at the time. That's he, so good. And, and 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 he brought a whole new generation of fans and made yeah. your, and made everything the most exciting. And he's now punished for doing something after the fact that wasn't illegal before. Like it just it it it, it doesn't make sense. And I, I still think like hell, like I could take muscle milk to get stronger, and that and that's not a category. What are you talking of, about you do. Oh yeah, I'm pumping iron big time in quarantine. But like, that's not a category that's illegal, but this category is. And what's the difference between like, I think it's very different if you're cheating the game through uh, uh, electronic sti- sign stealing. So like, I may be horrible at baseball, but if I know a fastball's coming, I can react accordingly. Or if it's yeah. Shoeless Joe Jackson, where you're intentionally throwing games and changing the outcomes on purpose. So it's just like this steroid thing is a different category. And you're right. You have to document it. It's not like it didn't happen. You have to acknowledge this is a part of the game's history, whether there's an asterisk next to it or what. But it's just interesting. And what's unfortunate, really, is that you know if you asked you and I if we became baseball voters and we have to vote in five to ten years on Sammy Sosa's last time on the Hall of Fame ballot, 
I think you and I, I mean, take, take out the credentials. I'm just saying steroid user or not steroid user. I would vote yes. But, Same. But, but our generation. So wouldn't. Right, but our generation would do that and understands what, it, what, what, what the difference is now. When you got a generation that's 60, 70 years old and has 20 to 30 more years of voting left in them, that, that, that isn't that newer generation, that is the purest and everything, those guys are scum to them. They can't get over the fact that these guys tainted their their game and i think and and the crime of it is is you and i like baseball but what about the generation below us nobody li- like they're they're losing that next generation yeah. so you're not going to have advocates that can get those guys in anymore and it's going to be the old guard that's curmudgeon and and being stuck in their ways i could talk about this for hours oh i can too and, and here's going to be probably another unpop uh an unpopular opinion here and you may or may not disagree on this one too you, you probably you might but even when it comes to say players like pete rose or the black Sox scandal something where you're potentially throwing a game or in pete rose's situation even though he claims he never bet against his team still gambling in baseball shouldn't be doing it however that's still what happened like you can't erase the fact of what happened and to not let people know of pete rose are you kidding me? Like, you're still going to know who Pete Rose is. If you're a baseball historian, Pete Rose is still a tremendous part of the game. You can't get over that. Not only when it comes to Pete Rose, but even the Black Sox scandal. Me as a White Sox fan, obviously, you're not going to know White Sox history unless you know of that World Series. So I, I, I think even though there's a whole lot of bad that comes with it, once again, my stance on it is still, even if it's really ugly, it doesn't matter because that's what the history is. Like that's just what it is. And it's a museum. And you're almost not being honest if you're leaving players and members of certain teams and coaching staffs out for that reason. Because I get what you're trying to say. Like the best argument you can have against it is no, because it sets the precedent that, you know, it almost is now going to incentivize somebody who wants to maybe gamble on or against their own team and is going to be Hall of Fame eligible. Not to do it because you could be banned from, from lifetime from the game and from the Hall of Fame. Hey, I believe Pete Rose definitely deserves to be banned from Major League Baseball, but not the Hall of Fame. Because like I said, it doesn't really matter how disgusting the history is. The history is the history. And if you can't go through that era of the big red machine without mentioning Pete Rose, then you have to throw him in there. And guess what? You just do the simple thing of including the scandals in the Hall of Fame, like that's actually worse to me. Can you imagine being Pete Rose and you do get into the Hall of Fame, but on your plaque where there's all this, all these, you know, ambassadors of the game and people before you who are just, you know, you look at the people like a, like a Hank Aaron, who, you know, rest in peace to Hank, you know, the, the hammer and Hank. You look at people like that, like ambassadors of the game, people who just – there's nothing but good things to say about him if you go and you visit the Hall of Fame. And then you get to Pete Rose, and if it's just a whole lot of text of ugly, then that's what they get, and that's what it is. It's just funny because usually, like, if someone commits a, like commits to something like that that, like, nobody likes, I feel like they just, like, wash that out. Like, they'd actually say, like, Pete Rose the Hits King and didn't do anything wrong. But they're just yeah. choosing not to not to do that. Exactly. No, I, I think— Just put it in there. doesn't or, even need an asterisk. Just put it in there. Or you, you have a different like, like there's got to be some way to do it where okay if you don't want to induct them I I don't agree with it but I understand it but at least then have like a portion of the museum of like 
the steroid era. Yeah, like the steroid era, the Black Sox, Pete Rose. Like, I I know it's not a a pretty thing, but you have to talk because what are you going to do in thirty years? Go to the museum and they're they're they're, you ask the like the the curator there, like, excuse me, do you know? Where the Sammy Sosa or the or the Barry Bonds exhibit is? Who's that? Yeah. I never heard of them. They don't exist in my in my files. Exactly. Like what? Master you Kenobi, you've lost the planet. Like no, it's not the, not the thing. If like if you go to a if you go like to the Chicago History Museum or the Fume Museum, it's not about like the like you said the curator is not going to look at you know whatever artifact or whatever it is you want to bring in as a display and say, ooh, is this ugly? If it is, like does this have like an ugly history to it? Well, we can't have it in here. Like. That just makes no sense. When you create history books, if you're going to create a history book about baseball, Pete Rose, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds are going to be all up in that history book. So you're just lying to yourself by leaving them out of it. Like I said, it's not this palace of integrity. It's just a place that explains the history of the game. And like you said, it's the Joe Morgans out there in the world and all the old and curmudgeon writers who are like, oh, no, it's like this pristine chapel. And it's like that's not what it is. That the, that's not what any museum is. It's that's how they view the game. Telling. That's why they don't advance it. It's this old machine chapel from 1908, right. and it's the same since. I just think it's so simple, though. I mean, I literally think it's so. It's treat it like as if it's a history book of what it is. And if you love baseball so much, I think anybody who truly does love the game to that matter should agree with me. It's not this whole tell the game for what it is. Like just throw it all out there. Like you said, this is the steroid era section. You can even have a steroid era section and like put people in there who like, you're pretty sure they're, they didn't take steroids and put nice things together. They, they were never like, just tell people what it is. This person was never connected to anything. They were never connected. There's no report or they were never, you know, listed here or there or tested positive. Like while they're in the section, there's nothing we have against them about, you know, ever, ever taking like, this isn't a, we're accusing you section. It's just, that's the area you played in. If I was a player who was elected into the hall of fame, who didn't take steroids, but is found in that, in that section, it is what it is. Yeah. That's the year I played with. I played with a lot of jackasses who did that. And I didn't do it, even though I'm in that, like that's the, this is my piece of history. Like I can't, de- I can't deny the era in which I played in. How is it just not that simple? It's very simple. Boy, this and podcast took a turn. I think it's very simple. And then what you do is, is you have a section for kids. They can look in a fun mirror and see what they'd look like if they injected with steroids and if they didn't inject themselves with go. steroids and how many home runs they would have hit. Wow, that's good marketing and, and attracting so. a new audience. Well, that's why it's not going to be in there. MLB doesn't believe in that, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I legitimately think it's just as simple as that. You, you treat it for what it is. You treat it for the history of it all. But we can't wrap up the show without once again mentioning Mark Burley and his 11% votes. Uh, Mark Burley in or out for you? You know, I think he's... When all said it done. I think... I think eventually, to be honest with you, I think he gets in. I think... No way. I do. You think so? I think... All right, sell me. I think the definition of a starting pitcher has changed in the last 10 years, and therefore his credentials get him in. You're not having these workhorses that pitch 300 innings a, a, a year and monster strikeout numbers and, and, and monster number of wins. It's, it's just it's changed on how they're used. And the win-loss factor isn't determined anymore by your pitcher because they're out of the game by the fifth inning. And I think what Burley was able to accomplish in terms of his efficiency and his ability to, to practically do everything you want to do as a major league pitcher, I think it actually, I think time will actually get him in now that he's in his 
earlier stages of being eligible versus his later stages. And I know we talked about it off the air, but, you know, I there's been a, a tremendous amount of pitchers in this town. I can't remember. I mean, I know Pryor and Wood and all that craze. But 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 I in in, the, in recent memory I can't remember another pitcher I was always more excited to see than Mark Burley. I, I'd never wanted to miss a Burley game. I still can't believe that. As a diehard, not only as a diehard White, White Sox fan, but as a diehard Mark Burley fan, I legitimately can't believe that there was some. It's just something so special about the way he pitched. You knew exactly what you were getting. When you went to the ballpark, it was going to be a two, two-and-a-half-hour yeah. game. You knew he would be crafty around every batter. It wasn't this power-pitching phenomenon. It was just it was this strategy. It was like a Maddox-Kyle Hendricks strategy okay. game, and it was just so enjoyable to watch. And granted, I'm, I'm jaded because I was lucky enough to be at his perfect game out of miraculous nice. luck as a Crazy, yeah. 12-year-old. No, for whatever I was. Look at the catch by Wise. Yes! But there's something really special about him, and that's why I think the appreciation for Mark Burley will grow with time because of the homogenization of pitchers that you see now of everyone's throwing 95 and having their arms fall off. There's a different nuance to his game that allowed him to be really great. And and to more of your point, what people and writers hopefully will appreciate, like you said, as as time goes on, you're absolutely right about that in which – Talk about one of the definitions of consistency. Like you knew what you were going to get with Mark Burley. And like you can almost even say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be at your place by 930 because the game will be over. at Well, what time's the game start? 710, 705. Yeah, I'll be done by like 9, 915. I'll, I'll make it down the street within the next 15 minutes after that. And the thing about Mark Burley is that, like you said, you're watching this like magician on the mound, especially when he was just in a groove. And. It wasn't in the sense of, like you said, a flamethrower who's like carving them up and it's like strikeout after strikeout, like this 10 plus strikeout game where it's just, you know, fastball here, strike one, foul ball, strike two, fastball high and in, strike three. It was different and it seemed a lot harder to accomplish, even though he was so damn good at it. Like you said, through the perfect game against the Rays, through the no hitter against the against the Rangers, which Sammy Sosa, funny enough, look at how it all comes full circle, was the only base runner in that game where he threw his first no hitter against the Rangers. Sammy Sosa got the walk. He picked him off first base, still faced the minimum of 27. Um, but. It's it was more challenging for a guy like Burley because, like you said, as a, as somebody who wasn't a strikeout pitcher and a power thrower, he was still able to carve you up in a different way and get the ground outs, get the pop ups, and it's so crazy that you were able to put the ball in play with him, but not to the point where you're going to defeat him. Putting the ball in play is actually what he wanted, and it worked to his advantage. Yeah, and he actually. You, you got the action MLB wants. You got the ball in play. You just it yeah. was outs. <laughs> there, there was there was really there was rarely that that three true outcome where it was like home run, strikeout, or walk. Right? It, it was it was more of the you. And I remember especially when you go back like to the, say the 05 Sox era when you had Joe Creedy and Aaron Rowan and you know Gold Glove caliber players. And Joe Creedy would his, you know, his dive this way or, you know, the dive this way toward the foul line and getting somebody out or, you know, a great Juan Uribe play at short or the, the Dwayne Wise catch we just referenced, right, in the outfield where you saw a lot of good defense on display as well because you needed that good defense to back up Mark Burley. And, yeah, I think it's funny. Like, it's it's weird. Like, 
can we potentially see another pitcher like that again? Maybe. But all those characteristics where you're saying not a flamethrower, but still really damn good and pitches so damn quick and efficient, right? Like, will you ever have somebody who matches all those characteristics? And not to mention a gold glover there on the mound. Like, <laughs> you don't even – like, there's, there's definitely – numerous like there, you could definitely find you a good highlight reel of just mark burley flashing the glove plays so let's not leave that out either it's he was definitely um and had know, a home run in his career pitcher. i think it multiple didn't he he definitely had the one on the road i want to say was it in philadelphia oh where, you, where you're at now i want to say he definitely had one against the phillies and he may have had he may have had another knock or so yeah you're absolutely correct good, perfect correct, game yeah. No hitter, World Series champion, AL pitcher, home run. It's pretty good. Yeah, and does he? I'm I'm so and upset with myself that I that I'm so upset with myself that I have to check this. But doesn't he not have a World Series save as well? Um, I, I think he does against the Astros a World Series save. I want to say it in the game where uh, Jeff Blum comes up in the late innings and hits the the what would become the the game-winning home run against the Astros in game three of the World Series I wanted he I want to say Burley came in and, and what recorded the save for that game either he definitely came in <laughs> so I, the, the way I'm thinking about it is yeah he definitely did record the save that game um either way yeah like you said World Series champion arguably the the ace of the staff that year even, even though Jose Contreras really turned it on and definitely made sure the White Sox made the playoffs that year in 05 uh, late into September Jose Contreras just absolutely fantastic but obviously Mark Burley the ace of that club for quite some time and like you said I, I think I mean you do make a good point is where he might get in off the appreciation alone like I know a lot of people like to try to say, well, was he ever a top five pitcher in his era? Like when he played, was he like of the best of the best? And if you go back and you look at when he played, probably not. I mean, you could probably definitely find more than five pitchers who were year in and year out numbers wise better than he was. Um, but just for the sake of being one of a kind and really damn good, like it's not like he was one of a kind and doesn't have the accolades or the, the game the single game achievements, like the no hitter, perfect game to back it up. He was one of a kind and still had a whole hell of a lot of accolades. And even if you look at just his lines from wins, losses, which don't mean a damn thing anymore, ERA, you know, strikeout to walk efficiency, even though once again, he wasn't a strikeout pitcher, pretty damn efficient, pretty damn efficient Southpaw. And that's why you loved seeing him. Who, who would be your second? Like, th- to me, especially you as a Cub fan, not being Wood or Pryor, the person you you want to run home and watch the most, you know, the, the pitcher that you want to go and see the most, um, definitely shocks me. That, that that was probably the biggest shocker because not that Mark Burley was the number one White Sox pitcher you definitely were excited to see and had to come home early to see if you can. But the fact that you're a Cubs fan on the other side of town and you had two guys like Wood and Pryor. Well, I think for me, like that's when I first got into sports was that 03 Cubs. So that's where I I didn't see their rise and then run home to see. 98 game. Yeah. Like, I I mean, you know, we are both ginormous Star Wars nerds, but I didn't have the balance of sports and Star Wars. I was straight up Obi-Wan every day of the week. So, totally fine, actually. I think so. So, with that, I didn't watch their rise to stardom i i was a tooth like a post 2003 cubs fan as a kid and that's where okay those teams are fun 08 07 carrywood came back around as the closer on those teams i might add um 
but yeah, I I I loved watching Burley even as a Cubs fan. I, I he was he was always he was always there for you as as you knew exactly what you're gonna get. It was worth every every dollar you spent, and and was always a quick easy night at the ballpark. And regardless of what the wins and losses were, say most likely you're getting a good pitching performance out of him. It would be quick, very consistent, and you're probably getting a hell of a performance out of him. So I mean, I'm glad we ended here on a good note. Right. Uh, all this all this bad talk of current rules and the Hall of Fame not getting it right. At least we got to reminisce on the brilliance. Let's just call it the brilliance of what Mark Burley was. But if you're listening to anybody in the Hall of Fame, please figure it out. It's, it's, it's a place that just holds the history of the game. It's that simple. Put the history in there. Everybody deserves to know it. Just because it's an ugly piece of history doesn't mean you rip it out of the history book. Because then, Joey, as we all know, what lessons do you learn? Right. Nothing. You learn nothing because you can't. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Yes, you learn nothing. You got to learn from your history, and I won't make you celebrate it, but you have to at least acknowledge it. That's all we're saying, everybody. We're talking to you, Tom Verducci. Just kidding. Any other writers. (laughs) That's the truth, though. I mean, come on now. Let's just call it for what it is. And I hope just one day they get there. I think that eventually you will have you're just going off too much precedent. And I think you're just putting way too much thought into it in terms of, oh, well, you know, cause you start getting silly of like Hank Aaron, for example, once again, let, let, let's bring him up because you know, he was in the news this week. Once again, God rest his soul. Wasn't a first ballot hall of famer. Why? Because a goofy precedent. There were a few goofballs who were like, Oh, Babe Ruth doesn't get in. You don't get in. That's all silly. It's silly. It's nonsense. It's it's and then you know the, the same people are like oh we got to keep it so pristine so pristine no it is not a palace of integrity it is a museum one that's supposed to hold the game's history well that is the perfect answer and I want everyone to have billboards and T-shirts to say what you just said it is not the palace of the integrity it is a museum it's a beautiful thought. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, liking, subscribing, interacting with us on the show. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. We don't know what's going to be in store. We'll see what happens this weekend in all the world of sports, whether it's Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, Sox, Bears, you name it. We got it covered. We can give Candace Parker some love coming to the sky, so that's always exciting. There we go. That could be a, a good talking point, too. But, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Joey Gellman. He's on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. The show Believe in Chicago Sports is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago. Part of the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. Until next time, for Dan, I'm Joey. We'll talk to you then. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.